Hi everyone. Today's episode is brought to you by Fuelixer. Fuelixer is the sports nutrition subscription box built for endurance athletes and enthusiasts. Every weekend, thousands of men and women strap on their running shoes, hop on their bikes, plunge into pools to train for the next big race. From newbies to Olympic athletes, these individuals are serious about their sports. Spending thousands of dollars on equipment, coaching, and training, all in an effort to reach their peak. They don't know it, but they're missing something. The power they are after isn't in the fancy gear or in coaching alone. The real secret is nutrition. And when it comes to sports performance, what you put in your body matters as much as what you do with your body. Rather than shipping subscribers a random box of sports nutrition products, Fuelixer builds boxes using a combination of performance data from Strava, nutrition requirements, and taste preferences. Fuelixer sees the types of workouts you do and gets insights into the weekly training volume. Fuelixer combines this data with nutrition requirements and your preferences gathered through the Fuelixer survey. Empowered by sports nutritionists, ex-pro cyclists, competitive athletes, in a little math, Fuelixer's journey begins by doing the shopping, researching, and calculating for you, the athlete. Fuelixer makes practicing sports nutrition a personalized experience for newbies all the way to U.S. Olympic athletes. It's easy and fun to get started. All you have to do is go to fuelixer.com, connect your Strava performance data, take a quick nutrition survey, and boom, Fuelixer selects the sports nutrition gels, bars, chews, hydration, protein, and recovery fuel that fit your individual nutritional requirements and preferences. All you do is you choose your Fuelixer recommended box size that was calculated based on your historical performance data. With Fuelixer, you can unlock your potential and really get back to what you are most passionate about. Whether it's cycling, running, or swimming, Fuelixer fuels you. Now, let's tune in to the Fuel Talk podcast. Hello world, my name is Pablo Quiroga, I'm your host, and this is Fuel Talk, the show where we discover people and products with ties to nutrition, data, performance, sports, and the mind. On today's episode, we welcome co-founder and CEO of NEMA, Shireen Yates. Uh, she has been... Hi. In, yeah, you can say hi for sure. I was going to give you a little, a little love here, a little intro. Um, yeah, so you've been uh, leading a gluten-free diet, from, from what I read from your profile, uh, for the past eight years due to multiple food allergies. Uh, and after pursuing an MBA from MIT Sloan, uh, she decided to pursue her fashion, passion for helping people lead healthier lifestyles um, by starting a company called Six Sensor Labs, which is now NEMA, which I love the name, by the way. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the history of how you came to that. Um, so founded in 2013, NEMA is creating greater food transparency that enables consumers to make better health decisions. Uh, its first product is a discrete and portable device that allows consumers to test their meals for unwanted ingredients in approximately two minutes, starting with gluten 
So NEMA sensors recently received an investment of um, around $14 million, just a little bit, uh, to alleviate the stress around unknown food ingredients, deliver social freedom, and make mealtime enjoyable again. Um, NEMA, she, or the product, has been featured in Fast Company, Times, Popular Science, and most recently, TechCrunch and CES 2017, where I actually uh, found out about the product. So, Shireen, welcome to Fuel Talk. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. So, today we're going to dive into gluten, uh, NEMA's origin story, and product roadmap. Uh, but first, I would like to learn a little bit more about you, uh, the person, the human, um, behind the company and, and this product. Uh, so why don't we get started off with, um, uh, if you could give us a little bit of insight into what really ignited your journey to pursue the discovery of helping people live healthier lives. What triggered all of this? It was a personal motivation to start with. I found out in college, I started to get really sick, a lot of intestinal pain. Um, went on for about three years, had no idea what was wrong, and finally... Um, three years in, a, a doctor said, you know, I think you might have all these food sensitivities or allergies. So I, I did a bunch of tests, and sure enough, I had strong tolerances to uh, dairy, soy, gluten, um, and egg, and I had never had issues with food. So I found it really, really challenging to eat out and stay social. And I do want to emphasize, I actually haven't been diagnosed with food allergies, more food sensitivities and tolerance. I've never been screened um, for celiac disease, but uh, the process to go through that, you know, that's, that could be, uh, I haven't done that um, because I have to eat gluten and it, it, and then do an endoscopy and it triggers such a bad effect. So all that to say is I had the personal motivation. It was really, really challenging to eat out and stay social. And then I found even people in my own social network and um, friend group had become so much more aware of how food is, is so important to living a healthy lifestyle. And we're seeing that general trend all over the U.S., people treating more and more food as medicine. But that was my, the initial was just, I love to eat. I couldn't eat anything, and I was getting sick all the time. <laughs> uh, well, that's, that's not a good phase to be in. <laughs> no. Wow. Um, what was your first memory experiencing a food allergy, like something that was impactful, you know, that you can, that, that really just, bothered you and, and you I don't know you had to go home and you were sick I don't know do you have like a specific memory that was like you know wanted you to um led you to do more research <laughs> um no you know I didn't have I don't have a specific memory it was more cumulative for me but uh -huh. I have to say a lot of my college memories were writing papers lying on the ground because that was the only position on my stomach that was the only position that felt good. no way yeah, just on the floor. And my roommates totally remind me of, I think I blocked out a lot of the pain, but my roommates from college, you know, I live um, with a bunch of folks in a house. They're like, you are always in pain, always in perpetual pain. And when you're, when you're always consistently in that state, you almost get used to it in a sadistic way. And so okay. when I started to take control of how I was eating and, and had more data at my disposal to understand what were the trigger points for me, then it became very apparent that, um, that you know, I, like, I don't have to feel that way all the time. And I think I was more, what I remember more is, you know, not, not feeling sick. And that, you know, that first few weeks when I cut out all those foods, I just felt like a totally different person. Yeah. 
Yeah. Were, were you into, uh, into sports and uh, things like this in high school or college? I was, yeah. So I, I played um, soccer year-round in high school, tennis, swam. I did a bunch of triathlons after college. I played club, club soccer. Um, I love to ski. I love to bike. I love exercise. I love being active. And I found that, you know, taking knowing what was causing these triggers for me and um, taking control of my diet with just better understanding of what I was putting in my body really impacted my energy level and my ability to yeah. stay active and, and um, you know, and be, be performing at my optimal self. Right, 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 right. Okay, so I'm, I'm, that's super interesting. So in your, you're in your dorm or, or with your roommate, I don't know um, what your housing, you know, was like. But, yeah, uh, I, lived, I lived with eight girls, yeah. Okay, um, so you're with eight girls, and, and they're all, like, noticing you just, like, having, uh, being a masochist with your body and just being in pain, I guess. So is that kind of, uh, when, when, at what point um, in college, in, in your undergrad, was it in your undergrad or, or in your master's that you kind of undergrad, caught? In undergrad. Okay, so, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Is, that, is that when you caught that bug to do a lot more research? And then um, how, what was your approach to the research and to this? You mean for, for um, in undergrad, you know, I think it was just, it got to a point where it was so bad that I had like an intervention yeah. from my friends and family. And they're like, you really, you need to find out what's going on. Um, and, and so it took, like, it took a long time though. I went to a bunch of doctors and finally I went to one that was like, I think it's food. You know, I think those are, that's what's, you know, the hypothesis I have with to a screen. Um, so I mean, that, that's, I didn't, I certainly got more familiar with not only intolerances or food sensitivities, also food allergies. Um, but I, what inspired NEMA was really five years after that, um, after that realization, after avoiding all of those foods I mentioned, gluten, dairy, egg, and soy, um, was the realization that it's really hard to do that, especially if you're traveling, especially if you're working full-time and you're you know, eating out a bunch and having to eat on the go. Having full control over what you're putting in your body is a real challenge. And I found that because I, I was my own personal gluten sensor. I mean, I knew that... Every time I ate out, I got sick one out of three or one out of four times. I was eating outside of the home. And that was, I was, again, I was just put up with it. I was like, oh, Russian roulette, you know, might get gluten on this time. Um, because I didn't feel like I had another choice. And it was the summer of 2012 that, so, you know, about, what was that? Yeah, close to my gosh, five years ago we're coming up, um, that I had the idea for NEMA. And that's, um, that's, that's when I was at a wedding and these delicious-looking appetizers came by and I asked the waitress, is there gluten in these delicious-looking appetizers? And she's like, how sick do you get? Hmm. You know, trying to, trying to yeah. form her answer. Right. I'm so tired of that follow-up question. I wish I could just take a sample of this and have one additional data point to make a more informed decision. Because if I take the wrong bite, that could mean a week of lost productivity. That could mean feeling terrible right in two hours and having to go home. That could mean a lot of different things, depending on how much I accidentally ingest. Um, so that's what inspired Nemo. Oh, man, okay. Um, I, I, yeah, I, when, I, when I found it at CES... Um, is, you know, I was just walking down the aisles, uh, scoping yeah. out uh, different products and, and 
the name is what popped out to me the most. I, mm. I, I don't know. I was very attracted to the name. Uh, it seemed yeah. intelligent, and I wanted to meet Nima, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I met Nima, and, exactly. and, and it was this little triangle, um, yeah. you know, little robot that was a mobile lab. Um, right. And, and I don't know. I was, I was so... Uh, I was so stoked about it to see something, uh, a product like this was, you know, was out there and being tested already, um, you know, and, and, and very important, um, uh, I guess, progress in, in nutrition for, yeah. for people at home, you know, not having to go to yeah. a, inside to a doctor's office or I'm not saying that this is like a, like a medical device in that sense, but what I mean is you can get smart and um, knowledgeable data um, yeah. that you can act on from a device at your house or wherever you are, and it's discreet. Right. I, I, I did some research yeah. on some of the other kits that are that exist out there uh, to taste glu- uh, test gluten, and yeah. it, you know I saw this video. This lady was like, she took out literally it was about like seven or you know eight different utensils and things that you you know needed to needed to uh for a testing and it was like you literally look like a scientist or something no one's going to do that at a restaurant you know no one's going to do that yeah. at home like no one has time for that um yeah. So, so yeah yeah the, i mean from a product development perspective um you guys are spot on um well thank you, you totally, yeah you totally get it and, and it, we think you know we're, at the end of the day we're giving you data not a decision it's yeah. totally up to you on how you decide how you want to proceed in fact sometimes Nima might give a little smile for the sample that you test from your plate, and um, and then we find some people just don't want to eat because the response they got from the weight staff made them nervous. So it's just, again, it's one supplemental data point, but that data point could save a lot of, uh, you know, it could, it could save you a lot of time and health. Yeah. Yeah, I want to go. I want to go back to you because we always like to find out about the person behind the stuff, right? So, um, okay, what would yeah. you be doing if you weren't a CEO of Nemo right now? If I weren't the CEO of Nemo, um, what would I be doing? I I went to business school on the platform of I want to help people with dietary restrictions, and um, I like I I never actually went to get my MBA with the intention of starting a company, mm-hmm. and. I couldn't get this nugget of an idea out of my head, but the whole space of food and nutrition and food as medicine and treating treating health and attacking health with just lifestyle changes is so fascinating to me. So I think I would I would probably be involved in some other aspect in that space because to me it's the future of the health of, of our nation. It's it it really is. It's um, it's not another pill. And, and sure, sure, in some cases. That's absolutely necessary, but I think so much massive change can come from just behavior change on, on better exercise uh, habits and better eating habits. So I feel so, so strongly about that. Excellent. So as a CEO, um, as I mean, I, you know, I'm a CEO and, and co-founder of Fuelixer, and you, know, you have to be... Um, I'm constantly trying to find that equilibrium and balance uh, between 
what I love to do, which is cycling. I love being, you know, on the road yeah. with my road bike about, you know, over 10 hours a week. And, and I love suffering in that, in that way. But I'm also, you know, um, doing business things, right? And, and, but okay. at some point, those things are, um, they're, they're interrelated. And I'm looking at yeah. my nutrition. I'm experimenting and getting smarter with my, um, with my own body, right? Um, yeah. So how, how have you been able to find a balance between um, being very knowing and aware of what's going on in your body and also in data that you can look at and capture? Uh, I, I think it's a great question and an important question. Um, for me, I, I sadly have to say my standard of having a good workout has really dramatically decreased since I started the company. I'm like, oh, I got to walk three miles a day? That's awesome. Um, whereas before starting Nima, it might have been like, you know, a two-hour workout. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's, not, that's not the ideal situation, but sometimes you just have to and make adjustments for what's going on. Um, so for me, I actually, I am fairly data-driven. I, I, I have tried all the wearables um, I, just because I'm fascinated by tra- you know, tracking and, and quantified self. Um, Fitbit, Misfit, Fuel Band, Up, like, try them all. Um, <laughs> and, and what has worked for me, actually, is just Apple Health and, um, and the Misfit. I swim, too. Okay. So the, the, the Misfit uh, Speedo... Uh, version of Misfit wearable, and I, you know, I sync it up to my phone, and um, and then, and I think Fitbit has now a swimming feature too, which I'm interested in. But anyway, having this, tracking the swimming data, and then tracking my, frankly, my walking data, um, I, I really make an intentional effort to try and get at least three miles in a day. Um, that's just walking, and uh, and if I get home and I was like clocked in 1.5, I'll you know throw on my workout gear and go outside. I'm, we're based in San Francisco, and you know attack a few hills until I get to that point. So I'm very goal driven. I'm very metric driven. Maybe too much, but um, I I find that Apple the Apple Health tracking just for my phone because I always carry it supplemented with you know I get sad if I do a workout and I'm not tracking it. I'm like it didn't count. <laughs> I uh, I really try to stay accountable, and uh, I'm, I've always been living, I grew up in a family where exercise was the cure to everything. Like you're in a bad mood, go work out. Like you're oh <laughs> yeah. you're feeling sad, go work out. Um, uh, you have a big test coming up, go work out. So <laughs> it's like I feel very grateful having grown up in that sort of mentality, and so I think being raised with that habit too. I don't I don't find like I need a lot of motivation. It's just um, I like to track. Nice, nice. So we, we all know, uh, as entrepreneurs, uh, whether it's hardware or software, uh, product development never ends. You know, you're, you're always trying yeah. to enhance features or getting feedback from your customers. How, can you give us a little insight into what that experience was with your, with your beta users? Uh, what were some of your key findings that uh, definitely had an impact in your product that you're shipping now? We have been testing before we had any hardware or even before we had anything that we could put in the hands of How are you doing that? I would love to know. So our, yeah, one one example is when we moved out to the Bay Area, we cut out foam models of what, like just having something in your hand. 
I even baked like a brick of clay of, in, you know, in the dimension. I swear, I put it in the oven yes. and I baked a brick of clay. And I was I like, it. I guess this could be the dimension of what we're doing. And then we went out and we, we found gluten-free, we, we posted an ad on Facebook and targeted to the San Francisco and basically said, hey, we're, we want to help people who are avoiding gluten. Um, we'd love to take you to lunch and pick your brain. So lunch is on us, and for 60 minutes, we want to observe you and, and ask you a few questions about your lifestyle. And we got almost 100 responses wow. <laughs> from this targeted ad. And wow. we went out to maybe 20 lunches, which is totally you know random in the sense of well, self-selection bias of who's going to click on a Facebook survey ad, but super random for us because we didn't have any connection to these folks. And we, we just went on all these gluten-free dates um, all over the city. And we, we observed people not only ordering what they were asking the waiter, and then we put the you know, foam model on the table and we said, okay, imagine this thing could actually test your food for gluten. What would you want to test and why? And once their plate was in front of them, watch them kind of go through that mental processing and and see that, wow, they were really deliberate about what they wanted to test. It wasn't like, oh, I don't trust the whole plate. It was like, you know, I'd be nervous about this sauce. I'd be nervous about these grill marks because that's where I know there's cross-contamination issues. I'd be nervous about this, this meat and this sushi because, you know, you just never know. And, and that's what really drove a lot of our development were, were exercises like this. Um, where we're, we're observing and at first observing, just observing in the space of where your product lives and then asking, asking if you had this, what would you do? And then we also timed people. We're like, all right, let's, let's pretend this is processing. Let's time it for a minute. Let's time it for two minutes. Let's time it for three minutes, four minutes, just to understand that range of tolerance. And what we found is that people were much more tolerant um, of a, taking the testing in a longer time, the more severe their reaction was. Like, some people said, I don't care if it takes a day. Like, I don't want to eat it until I know. Yeah. Um, so that was another, you know, interesting finding. Wow. Yeah, that, that's, that's a, I, I love that. That's so cool. Yeah, I mean, we did, like, a bunch of stuff like that. We also had, we set up one of our conference rooms, like a restaurant. <laughs> we, we had, like, a little uh, cafe. And, again, we invited, at this point, you know, we've grown our email list. So we had a good base of people to reach out to. And we invited people in the Bay Area to come in, and we had printed menus in the Nima Cafe. And we, we asked people to circle what they would want to test on the menu, just to get, start getting a sense of the types of things, um, you know, beyond that one-to-one dinner interaction. What would people want to test based on the menu? What would, what would make them um, really nervous? And all of that was input into our development process. Yeah, yeah. Quick question. Have, have restaurants or kitchens... Um you know, commercial kitchens, have they, has, has anyone reached out to you um, so that they could use your product before uh, serving yes. plates? Yes. Yeah. We've had oh, um, both on the commercial side and restaurants, a lot of outreach. Um, you know, we actually started with restaurants because we thought that would be a great seamless experience um, where there isn't that potential tension point of the plate comes out, you said it, had, it was gluten-free and we found gluten. Um, but what we found is when we reached out to restaurants, they just were not, um, they, you know, they're catering to the 95%. They're catering to the majority of their patrons. You know, some restaurants go way out of their way 
could be accommodating, but for the majority, it was like, had to, how, where would this fit in operations? Like, mm-hmm. would we test the a stock? Would we test all the stuff that goes into the stock? Yeah, so so, about, so, like, so they're more so they're more about like you know uh, serving the the gluten free diet type of thing, like paleo or something. Yeah. Is that the, the mentality? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I, think I see that. More like yeah, we listen. We try our best, and we understand there might be like we can't guarantee hundred percent. And and then when we turned to consumers, the pain point was just so well aligned with right. the, the products that we were offering. Yeah. And there, people were like, oh my god, yes, I want this. I would do it. I would use it all the time. But I think once we have enough traction in the consumer market. Like once restaurants are yeah. seeing Nima over and over again, <laughs> and we've already seen this, they're yeah. going to be interested in having Nima to be able to, to validate or yeah. at least offer yeah. um, that service. So yeah. I think, well, we're starting to see some of that, but you know, we just launched um, recently, so it's just the very beginning of no, Nima's timeline here. Yeah, I totally, I totally see that vision. Um, you know, put giving the power to the consumer to the person uh, to take full control of the, you know, what they're consuming, um, at at a restaurant is, is very powerful, you know, because once, once the reviews start going, getting out there, um, and it starts hitting, you know, the, the restaurant's bottom line, um, (laughs) you know, it it starts hitting them where where it hurts, then they start reacting, you know, I guess that's what it's going to take. So that's cool. It's a gluten-free revolution. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I wonder, in your, in your, um, in your life and Felixer and the folks that you you surround yourself with and performance athletes, have you found a growing trend of people uh, with these special diets and specifically gluten-free diets? Yes. Um, and I've also identified, you know, is very similar to, well, I guess, I don't know, to give, to give some sort of context, like the whole, I mean, from my perspective and from my experience, nutrition in general is, it's so gray. You know, because yeah. there's so much marketing dollars that goes behind um, studies yeah. and research, um, and then it gets into the brands, and it's just a big marketing play for for a lot of products. Unfortunately, um, so right. one thing that we really love um, or that we try to do our best at is vetting, you know, these products and the manufacturers. We go through a complete survey on how they actually um, make these products because they're all packaged goods. Um, so we want to learn more about that. And if it's really not in line with our philosophy and our mission, um, then, you know, we just don't, we don't pass it along. You know, we don't, we don't, um, put it in our boxes. Uh, and the, yeah, so the types of products that I'm speaking of are bars, gels, chews, and, um, hydration powders, uh, protein powders, uh, recovery powders. So I was thinking from a company perspective. Free. Yeah. So from a from a from a customer perspective, um, yeah. You know, from from that story, our customers go to Felixer.com to get started. Um, they connect their Strava account, uh, which gives yeah. us um, access to their performance data, historical data, yeah. and then they answer a nine question nine question uh, survey uh, based on their uh, nutrition restrictions and taste preferences. Mm-hmm. So Got when it. when someone chooses, you know, Paleo or, um, you know, gluten-free, we have certain products that serve that, right? But, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, as a company, I would love to even test the products that I, that I have in my inventory. Right, 
you know, right. just to give that brand feedback on what they're putting yeah. on their packaging. Um, because if yeah. it's not, if it's really not gluten free, then I don't want to give it to my customer. I mean, I'm telling That's them, great. you know, they're trusting me, you know, to give them a, a yeah. premium service like that. Then I, I need yeah. to definitely relay that with, um, with the vendors. So as a company, I, I, I don't know. I want to get one of those triangle things, <laughs> the yeah. NEMA, yeah. uh, you know, I, I and I, I well, think it would can. be very useful. Available. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Um, Cool. What, what, uh, let's see what, why a triangle actually? In, in some of our user testing, we had, we had a few shapes for testing, but ultimately we wanted it, it needs to run standing up. That's the best way for it to run. Okay. Um, so that was the shape that naturally people didn't lay down. Um, also it's just sort of iconic, although you have the option of also being discreet by placing it, you know, on the chair, if you don't want it on the table, uh, and we, we looked at it as how it sat out with plates and forks and knives and, like, did it fit in and did it also hold its own brand and all of that. So right. we got really good feedback and thought it really spoke to our brand well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, triangles, and they're those one of those ancient, you know, um, yeah. shapes that, that have gone exactly. in, that have been in so many cultures. Um, just makes sense. Exactly. That's why I, I really like the, uh, yeah. the design as well. That was really cool. Um, Thank you. Yeah. For sure. Um, what has there been a story that you've heard of um, that has been life changing? I guess um, in terms of you know has 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 a NEMA sensor um, changed someone's life? You know, uh, do you have one of those stories? Yeah. When your customers. We have a few. I mean, we have a lot. I think it's been one of the most motivating things for the team to see how this product impacting and making real difference in people's lives. Um, so one, one example I'd like to share is this woman, she has celiac disease and, and travels a lot for her job and, um, you know, has, has her trusted restaurant where she goes, but in this one particular instance, she tested something that she's eaten before, um, and it came up positive for gluten, and she was so stressed about, you know, why, where, and they got, the kitchen got totally involved, they went through everything. In the kitchen, they found, oh, these onions, that, um, that there was a new supplier, and sure enough, they retested those a few times, and those were the ones that were coming up positive for gluten. Um, but these, like, fried onions, you know, might have been fried in flour or the oil or whatever. And so the operation change that that restaurant made, you know, is it, not only going to impact her, but it'll impact every single person that walks through that door. That, and this is a predominantly gluten-free establishment. Um, so it's like one little test could potentially save so like hundreds of people from getting the wrong information. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, that's been really empowering. And then we see people, uh, kids that just feel this burden lifted of just more confidence of eating out. We had one, one woman who was like, we never go to holiday parties. And now we just feel a little more confident. And, and we know like it's not going to guarantee everything we eat. But at least we have that one extra data point. Um, and so the people are just becoming more confident and have more peace of mind to eat out and, um, and just live their lives. And then, and then we also have people who get sick and then have validated, like gone back and be like, I felt really terrible after this. Like, did it have gluten in it? And sure enough, you know, testing it with NEMA, they validated, wow, I wasn't going insane. Like, this thing actually had gluten in it. 
So just empowerment, confidence, peace of mind, and um, real change at the food establishment um, level that's been really, really powerful for the team. Wow. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. What is? What are some of the... Um, I guess if you can just walk me through the technology. Like once I put, uh, you know, a piece of my bar or, or a French fry, you know, uh, something in, in your NEMA sensor, um, what's happening in there? When you put a sample in the NEMA sensor, what's happening is the action of closing the capsule. So it's a one-time use capsule. Um, it grinds the food and then it triggers the chemistry. And then once you slot the little capsule in the sensor, then it takes a few minutes of processing time and it's mixing, it's grinding, and it's preparing the chemistry so that we could tell you that, um, you know, this is, this has, the sensor picks up whether or not gluten was detected in that sample or not. It is very, very low limit of detection. So very, it's very sensitive. And it's basically taking this like five to eight step process that currently you had mentioned you looked at other kits on the market. Um, it's taking all of that processing and putting it in a really easy to use device for right. users. Yeah. And, and and I also saw that you have a an app, correct? Um, yeah. Yeah, yes. and, and so there's a community in there. Test, exactly. Every mm-hmm. single test becomes this potential data point for us um, or for anyone. So you can like even if you don't have the device, you can download the app on the iPhone. Um, oh, okay. And see. See what are other people testing that are near you. What's been tested, um, and we're making you know we're 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 continuously growing that team and making improvements to that experience. But that's the ultimate goal is that you can see whether it's a restaurant or packaged foods, um, what other people are are testing around you, and um, you know sharing that information and then sharing your own tests with the community. Wow. Wow. So what yeah. what are what are some uh, you know dynamics in in the data that you're getting from the app? that, um, you know, that has kind of like um, become, become something that you didn't know you were going to find out from this data? Um, two, two things. Yeah. Um, one, the surprising amount of packaged foods that people are testing. <laughs> so people are testing. Um, I thought that people would mostly test restaurant food, but yeah. packaged food is yeah. a real popular line yeah. item. So that's been surprising. And then second... Um, we're finding that 30% of labeled gluten-free dishes yeah. in the app, in the restaurant side, are coming up positive for gluten, even for that one sample of text. And I guess that wasn't as surprising. It was just, like, validating what people's experiences mm-hmm. were, which is I'm getting sick one out of three, one out of four times. But that's, like, nearly one out of three times that you're eating out, like, exactly what people said. I get sick, and we now have the data to show that. <laughs> do, you think, do you think this data is going to ever get... Um or is going to have any influence on, you know, laws in, uh, in kitchens? It's a good question. I think that... Because um, that's, hard, that's maybe, hard data, right? I mean... You know, yeah, that's hard data. You can't, you can't, you can't uh, argue with chemistry. Yeah. Um, it, it might, you know, I, I don't know. That's interesting. And our, our whole approach is not, like, we don't want to be this... The police. Watchdog yeah, yeah, service, yeah. right? Like, yeah. it's more just... We know at a restaurant it's really hard, and I think if we could change the language around. It's not gluten-free, but it's made with naturally gluten-free ingredients. And, you know, 
you can't guarantee that it's gluten free. That's just that's a that's a really high standard. That's a really yeah. high bar. Yeah. Um, so I think if we could change the language, that would be one thing. Um, and you're already seeing this in some restaurants, saying like made with no gluten ingredients. You know, risk of cross contamination is there. And then ultimately, you have the the power of NEMA in your own hand. That if you want that extra data point, we can give you that extra data point. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's. Uh, I know, and I'm sure, you know, people know it's not your mission to be that watchdog, but, you know, if it's a byproduct, um, to get people to, you know, do the right thing, right, <laughs> um, right. It's, it's just, it's just, yeah, I mean, that just doing the right thing. That's all. Yeah. Change yeah, your words. Exactly. Um, cool. Let's see, man. I, I, yeah, I can't, I'm going to order one today, actually. I can't wait to use it. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, because we have we have a few products in our in our um, portfolio that you know it says gluten free on it. So yeah, we'll see what's up with them. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is your? That'd, that'd be, you know, Go ahead. Be really cool for your. I think that'd be really cool for your base too. I would imagine. For sure. Hardcore um, dietary restrictions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, cyclists, runners, triathletes. Right. Um, they all yeah. fuel themselves through nutrition. Um, and you know, then, then you have recovery. So if they're not eating well, they can't recover and they can't wake up the next day to work out, um, you know, and, and stay at an optimal, uh, performance. So, so yeah, it's, uh, they're definitely early, early adopters for this type of stuff. Yeah. Um, what is your CEO philosophy in general? In general, I think the, We've driven a culture here where transparency and and we have this this value. Of, you know, I think that everyone has a right to know and what why decisions are made. Um, you know, the why behind everything is really really important and, and for me and, and also being really approachable too. Like, you know, not behind some ironclad wall, but like meeting constantly with team members and. Um, and making myself available to hear what's going on, I think that's, for the team, I think that's really important. So that approachability, also that transparency in terms of how we share information, how we share how how decisions are made, and, and also give an opportunity for people to get, get involved um, in those decisions as well is important. So I think, you know, for me, my job is, my philosophy in terms of how I run the company is to hire the best people and um, really raise the profile of NEMA externally as well, you know, with talks with you and um, and these types of activities. And then also don't ever stop reminding the team about how all of their efforts are contributing to that greater vision of, of peace of mind at real time. We're not selling gluten sensors. We're selling confidence and we're selling health. And, um, you know, driving that home as, as many times as I can, I think is uh, really important. Yeah. Yeah, it's def- I mean, it, you know, it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of work to be holding that beacon, you know, and so that so that yeah. everyone so that everyone behind you can can uh, still be uh, can still see that vision that that over exactly. you know that massive panoramic vision, um, exactly. which inspires everyone. You know, not not only internally yeah. within the company, but also uh, your your audience. I mean, you know, your investors, right. your customers, your family, who I'm sure right. you don't have to. Um, spend less time with you, you know, because you're working. So it's it's yeah. everyone involved for sure. You're right. So you're how right. how have you been? Uh, how have you evolved? Um, I guess you kind of touched on that, but how have you evolved as a CEO 
and as a human, I guess, you know, um, and, and, and this comes from uh, an angle of not just uh, Nima, but, you know, uh, being a student, an institutional student to then uh, becoming an entrepreneur, to then becoming a CEO, um, you know, how have you evolved, you think? I think my biggest evolution has been to just ask more and better questions. <laughs> um, I think in the, the, the early stages of running this company, you know, we went from just my co-founder myself to then five people, to then 10 people, to then 20 people, to now close to 30 people. Um, and every stage requires a different set of skills. And you cannot learn at the, at the rate of your experience. You just can't. <laughs> yeah. or, or maybe some people can't, but yeah, I can't. Yeah. So it's, it's surrounding yourself with, um, with you know, more experienced folks that have gone through what you're doing a number of times, you know, I, and and meeting with them on a regular cadence and advisors, and it's also reading. It's um, reading about other people's experiences, reading a lot of uh, uh, you know helpful whatever I'm facing situation. There might be a, a really good you know piece of content that can help accelerate the rate of my own learning um and then and but i think overall for me when i reflect on it personally it's just asking more asking better questions because i think one of the biggest breakdowns is just people are are, are saying the same words but meaning different things and uh you, you know getting to the root of what are we trying to do and getting alignment and really really trying to hammer out the definitions of what that is um so everyone is is not only saying the same words but meaning the same things. I think that is uh, a real, it's a real challenge, especially if you bring on new team members who have different backgrounds. Um, and to put this into context, you know, we have these development terminologies where it's like in production phase, in um, engineering validation phase, in um, design validation. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, I know what that means. But when you really dig into what's your expectation of this toll gate, like what do you expect to come out of this? People have very different interpretations yeah. based on their experience. Yeah. So I, I see my job too is you know as the evolution is really not not necessarily creating that common language, but holding a standard that everyone has to speak common language. Yeah. Um, and and getting and asking those questions and um, and going deeper and deeper as to why um, to to understand and building that culture within the company. And one of our yeah. values is curiosity, and so it's like. If there's something that you don't agree with, actually, that's great. But try to understand that other viewpoint and um, and celebrate those differences. And you know, where where some of our all our parts and um, and really try and and try to get to the root of get get to the root of the problem. Don't just put a bandaid on it. And all of that comes through asking questions and asking yeah. really good questions. Yeah, peeling the onion. I mean, that you, you yeah. It's so funny because a lot of people use this uh, jargon. You know, um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. it's, it's jargon, right? In 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 any um, when you're starting a business and people call them startups now and whatever lean startups and all these things, you know, right. these processes and uh, Trello boards and all this stuff, um, and everyone starts using words that you know they get from a certain yeah. source, but those words really are defined um, through through process that you actually have with yourself and your team. You know, like you, right. you, you define that word and, and as a company, you right. start figuring out, oh, like that's what it really means. Um, right. and, and it's hard to kind of get everyone, um, you know, to, to give their opinion about, about a certain 
you know, process without asking questions. It's really difficult. Um, when, when was the last time that you asked yourself why? Like why, you know? Oh, oh I, I, I try to ask myself every single day as I'm looking at my calendar. <laughs> why am I in this meeting? Do I need to be in this meeting? You yeah. Know? yeah, 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 yeah. How do you, well, what's um, your, what's your, uh, well, even for this podcast, like, did, did you ask like why, like why am I doing that? And then if you did, and believe me, it's, you know, what, what was your, like, how did you vet it? Like, how did, what was your process in, in that? Frankly, yeah. I looked at your profile. I looked at, I looked at Felixer and what you guys are all about. I, um, you know, I, and this is fast, this is fast diligence, but, you know, I looked at the following and you, know, you have a great reputation. We also, we have a strong bias, you know, Heather, who teed it up, um, just is, is amazing in terms of, putting great opportunities in front of me. So I, I, I trust her. So I don't do, I don't do too much of that once it gets on my plate, but once it was on my plate and on my calendar, I was like, Oh, this is cool. What is this? And, um, I was super stoked to talk to you. So, uh, I, I, uh, I probably would tell you, I mean, we wouldn't be talking. <laughs> <laughs> I made it. I made it through the process. Cool. All right. Yeah. But no, you have to, um, I think you have to take control. And I think, uh, you also have to create space in your day to ask why. So yeah, it, you know, I mean, it's your time, it's you know, it's your time. Listen, I get, like, it's your time, yeah. period. Yeah, you know? it's your time, too. Yeah, yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure, for sure. Big shout-out to Heather and Francisco also. Francisco, your VP of Engineering. Um, yeah, awesome guy. Amazing. Yeah, awesome guy. He's so amazing. Yeah, yeah, dope yeah, guy. We have, we're so lucky. We're, we have an just an incredible team. Yeah, him and I were like geeking out for, for a little bit and, and I felt bad because there were some other people coming up to your booth at CES. <laughs> I was like, all right, I gotta, I gotta get out of here before I like, you know, start applying for a job or something. <laughs> um, and then, so what, uh, do you have any like important components, I guess, of your eating philosophy? Like after, you know, I guess I've, you, you talk to so many people um, and now, you know, you have a very, you know, hard data approach to food. Um, and then you also know, you know, your allergies and, and all the information, all the metrics on yourself. So, I mean, yeah. how do you eat? Like, what do you do? Or like, you know, how, what, what's your approach to that? Um, food is challenging. I think, you know, being really driven about what you're, or data driven about what you're eating. And we have, you know, food labels. And then you, you there's, even we're starting to see some at-home blood tests you can te- take to see how your body chemistry is reacting to those inputs. But really understanding what you're putting in the, your body is it's a, it's a tough challenge. I mean, for me, obviously, I use Nemo every day. Maybe that's not so obvious, but I do, um, just because I'm actively avoiding it. And I, I do have to eat out a lot. I usually eat it when I'm eating out. But I, my philosophy on, on eating and nutrition is, um, I mean, it's pretty simple. It's it's mostly greens. Um, you know, I, I try to minimize meat where I can, and, uh, and I don't cut it out completely, but then mostly, like, leafy greens, minimize meat, um, and then, like, whole, you know, grains that I can eat are, like, quinoa, um, a lot of beans, and then I also, I think the second is just, one, one is, like, what you're actually putting in your body, but the second is, are you taking the time, the necessary time it is to actually like focus on your food um, if you're sitting down? 
And that's something I'm not as good at. <laughs> okay, in between meetings, five minutes. I'm yeah. just like, pop this in the microwave. And like, you know, just like, just quickly doubt it and not even think about it. But I think that's something I, I need to work on is, you know, creating that space in the day, even if it's 20, 30 minutes. Just yeah. put away your phone, put away your computer, yeah. sit down, look at the person across from you or look at your plate of food. Make sure you're chewing it, and then and yeah. just like enjoy it. Um, yeah. And that's that's what, that's certainly the culture I was raised in. It was like mealtime was almost like a religious time of day. We're the kind of family that eats breakfast, oh, yeah. talking about what we're gonna have for lunch, <laughs> and then plans for lunch, and then yeah, yeah. It's and like, you, are you excited about dinner? And yeah, yeah. Everything and, revolves uh, around food. It's how we show love. It's yeah. How we, it's how we do everything. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I would love to get better information about what I'm putting in my body. I would love better information about how my body's reacting to those inputs. Um, but I think the first step is just re- just taking time to to enjoy what you're what you're eating. Yeah, um, I mean. We're, we're spot on with, with that alignment because the only thing I've been telling myself for the past about year now, year and a half is uh, yeah. respecting my food. So I, I literally respect, yeah. you know. Um, and, I and, love that mantra. I think that's a beautiful mantra. You know, you, you literally look down at what you're about to eat and just how you're saying, you're like, it, it, listen, I've even gotten to the point where I'm like, you know, thank you, Apple you know, for giving me these nutrients. It sounds really right. like whatever, dorky or whatnot, but I literally no. tell that to myself, you know, and I'm like, okay, so you know, I'm going to consume it and, and cool. You know, it's giving me fuel. Yeah. It's getting me through the day right. to allow me to do uh, the things that I do with this human body that I only get one time in my life. So thanks, right. you know, um, no, I think that's, and, that's and, and move on. So, I mean, you know, you can show respect whether it's in two seconds or 20 minutes, you know, respect is respect. Yeah. Um, Cool. So yeah, it, it, it with the, you know with talking about um, cultures with food at at dinner, I'm thinking about what I'm gonna have for breakfast. So I'm all about right. that. That's good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but before before we end this, uh, you know, we always give everyone the opportunity to give any shout outs to family, friends, you know, anyone um, that has been there in the battlefield. Um, you know that we call our journey. Um, is there anyone, you know, that, that, you know, specific people that have been that core group for you? Um, and if you can share, you know, what, what it means to you for having them there. Yeah. Um, I mean, (laughs) it's literally thousands of people. Um, like so many people have gone to bat for me who barely know me, especially in the entrepreneurial community. Um, that, that I, you know, and and I think you build in and, and build that. And, you know, I love when, when entrepreneurs reach out to me as well. Um, and specifically on my, on my family side, it's like my husband's amazing. And he, we call my PTO as my chief therapy officer. Um, <laughs> I, try I try not to burden him too much. But, yeah, um, yeah I like my that. Husband, Kevin is, is amazing. And um, my family, like you said, you, you hit the nail on the head, Pablo, where you said it's it's not, it's not just my decision, was my decision impacts at the time I get to spend with my family and friends and, um, to do this. And it has, like, I have been the least social I've ever been in the last four years. Um, just, and it's my choice and, you know, I'm happy with my choice, but it is a sacrifice all around. So, um, yeah, I, I so many people to thank for where we are. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you know, Nima, it's the world's first pocket-sized gluten sensor. If you haven't seen it, if you haven't been to it, please go out to the NEMA sensor, 
nimasenor.com. It's N-I-M-A-S-E-N-S-O-R.com. Um, Thank you. And you know, I should mention Peanut is on the way, so that's ooh, an exciting development. Nice. Yeah. And, and eventually, yeah, we want to get to a point for whatever you care about, we're going to give you that instant information in your Man, I'm going to have a stack of NEMA products. <laughs> you are. All right. All right. I got to run, but thank you so much. Thank you so much. Take care. Yeah. Bye. All right, bye.